Luke 17, the 20th verse, please. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm going to start reading from the King James Version. I'll then give you the paraphrase version of that particular scripture because I do want you to hear it in several different. And if someone's got an NIV right close, uh, let's listen to that too. And uh, let's go to the, uh, to the 20th verse of the the 20th verse of the 17th chapter, and it starts off by saying, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall you say, lo here or lo here, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said to his disciple, let me see if I want to go on. No, I just want to leave it there. Uh, once again, uh, let me give you the paraphrase of that. And one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when the kingdom of God, when will the kingdom of God begin? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God isn't ushered in with visible signs. You won't be able to say it's begun here in this place or it's begun in that part of the country for the kingdom of God is within you. Then there's an asterisk down at the bottom and it says within you or, and then it refers back to the King James Version, among you, okay? And then that goes on and it says that later he talked again with his disciples, this time the time is coming when you will long for me to be with you, even for a single day, but I won't be here, he said. Reports will reach you that I've returned and that I'm in this place or that. Don't believe it or go out to look for me. For when I return, you will know it beyond all doubt. Oh, how beautiful. It will be as evidence as lightning that flashes across the skies, but first... I must suffer terribly and be rejected by this whole nation. Praise the Lord. We are going to embark on a few weeks of thoughts and thinking uh, and teaching on the kingdom of God. Now this, uh, to me, is very important because... We have in the world today so many things that claim to be the kingdom. Uh, so many situations which claim to be the kingdom. Now, we've got a new era and a new age coming upon us and people talking about uh, situations and experiences which they make sound very spiritual. They make, they make it sound so right, so real. Okay, and uh, I hate to tell you folks, but it, it, is, it is similar only to the fact that it's an imitation, but it's not similar to the fact that there's any veracity in it. Are you hearing me? It may be similar to something somebody has experienced, 
I will give you one of the situations out of body experiences. And anybody that has, uh, has had a legitimate out of body experience uh, can tell you. Now, I, I want to put this right because <laughs> we're, we're going to get into situations. An out-of-body experience simply means that your, your spirit, uh, 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 your spirit uh, leaves your body. That, that is what we call an out-of-body experience. Uh, an out-of-body experience is simply that your spirit rises. And you say, is it possible? Yes, it's possible. And you say to me, Sister Amy, is it biblical? It's a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon, and it has happened. I don't know if anybody here has had an out-of-body experience. If you have, would you put your hand up? I just want to say, I'm not looking for freaky people. Okay, go ahead. No, I really am not. I've had one. That's why I, I can share it with you. Okay, all right? Now, the day I was, uh, and I remember it as clear as day, the day I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was a beautiful day. I was in a tiny little chapel like this, and I was kneeling in a corner. And I was praying, and I wanted God to fill me with his Holy Spirit. And other people were being filled. And uh, I remember clearly crying out to the Lord. And then I sensed, first of all, a beautiful experience of, uh, of music in the air. You know, it's so ironic, any experience I have with music, because I'm not a musician. I can't even carry a tune in a basket. So when God gives me music experiences, I kind of laugh and say, he's got some sense of humor. Because I couldn't even tell you what key it was in or who was singing or whether they were in tune or out of tune. All I know is that it was a beautiful experience, and the experience was one of hearing glorious heavenly music. And... In the hearing of it, I remember rising to meet it. And it was such a clear out-of-body experience that when I was up there, I was worried of how I was going to get back. Okay? So what I'm trying to tell you is it's not, it's not kooky. It's not out of your... It's not, you do not lose your mind. You do not lose the keenness of the sense of, of your life or your living. Do you understand what I'm saying, folks? You don't lose it. You, it's, it's a very, very real experience, but it's also very in tune with your physical being. If you've read some of those books of people that have died and come back, there are about 10 or 15, maybe 20 or more. The only one I can remember right off the top of my head is Betty Maltz. And she, she had one of the most beautiful experiences. She left and went, and God gave her a little uh, trip into heaven. And, and as she was going, she saw her family and her pastor coming to the hospital and standing over her body and people making circles of prayer in her room, and she was off on a little trip with the Lord. And she could see that left behind. So as far as experiences like that, they do exist. God does give them. Now, let me tell you two things about God's experiences. Number one, they're in perfect peace. Okay? Number two, they are not confusing. That's maybe synonymous to the perfect peace. Okay? 
And it's not done by a force that's not recognizable. It's not that you go into a trance and this is what happens. It's usually a person that is praying, that is crying out to God, that is searching for God, that is wanting uh, to, to receive from God. And then God works this miracle in just the way he wants to work it. Now, my experience was being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, being given the gift of tongues and coming back to that little corner, back into my body and just crying and crying and crying and not be able to share it with anybody because it was so intimate, it was so personal, it was so spiritual, it was so special that my first thought was no one's going to believe me. So why tell it? And I didn't. I really didn't. The only sign I came back with was speaking in tongues. And I was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now that was enough for me and I never went on to say anything. I tell you this uh, because today Satan is having a heyday. Satan is having a heyday giving people and dealing with people and possessing people and telling people a lot of things. And uh, I don't like to name names, but maybe our Shirley MacLaine is the number one on the list of, of uh, and, only, and getting away with it only because she's a celebrity, only because she is who she is, only because she can get up and sing and dance and act and be a tremendous Academy Award human being. Okay, then she can do it. Now let any other kook do it. Let any any, uh, any bag lady do it. Let any bag ma'am do it. And you'll be surprised how they'll wrap him up and take him to Bellevue or take him over to any psychiatric center. Even one of us, they'll take us too. So that's why we keep it quiet. All right? But this is, this is the reality of it. Now, what, what is happening? You say, Sister, well, I'm going to tell you what's happening. People are starting to realize that life in the flesh is not all that there is. People are starting to realize that, the, that what life produces in terms of the flesh, in terms of humanity, is not enough. And it isn't enough. That's why there are people out there so unsatisfied. That's why there are people out there uh, committing the most heinous crimes that you could ever imagine. That's why we've got little children in Satan worship. Uh, and, and not even, it, it, it's unbelievable what's happening. So this is why we have got to come as Christians and understand what are we all about. And let me tell you something. I found out that God loves his church. He really does. I've had things swimming around in my head uh, all weekend. And they swim around in my head because I want to see how I can bring it to the church. I want to see how I can share it with the church. I want to see how I can in some way enlighten the church, in some way bless the church, but at the same time teach the basic truths that are so terribly important. I want to do this. But sometimes you don't know how. You don't know how. And one of the things going around in my head today, uh, this weekend, was how do we teach people to be faithful to Jesus? Not to the church. And I mean that. I mean that. Faithful to Jesus. I taught Thursday night, and I, we had 12 people. But to me, we had like, like 350, like 600. I, I was so excited. I was so excited because, first of all, I studied and I prepared myself very well uh, for my Bible study. And in my studies, I found out something I had never, never ever known before. Now, there's a lot I don't know, so don't be shocked, okay? Every day I find out all I don't know. 
But this is one of the things that, that I think is going to help you like it helped me. I have always put faithfulness and faith in sin, uh, I was going to say synonymity, but boy, that we're really making it up. Synonymous too. Uh, synonymous, I, I won't coin them, folks. Uh, synonymous to love. Now, listen to me carefully. When we say we love the Lord, that sounds so nice. Doesn't it sound nice? How many feel comfortable with your loving the Lord? Okay? Don't you feel comfortable? I do too. Can I tell you something? It's not enough. It's not even the first thing. It's not even the most important thing. You know what the most important thing is? To have faith in God. You say, well, well, isn't it the same? Don't you say the same thing when you say, well, I have faith in God. No, no, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. You see, when we say we love somebody or we love something, we are dealing with an element that is very vulnerable, that is very changing. We are dealing with an element that is very, very slippery in us, not in God. Because God's love is perfect. That's why it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Now that love is perfect. That love is stable. That love is forever. That love is unchanging. That love is unmovable. That love can't be shattered. That love can't be made smaller or bigger. That is God's love. There's no changing there. But when I say, I love you, ah, you got your problems. Because first of all, it depends upon how I woke up and how much I love myself. Because if it's one of those days that I don't love myself, forget you. You hear me? And that's the truth. That's the way it operates. That's why when somebody says, I love God, it's not enough. It's not enough. And that answered so many, so many questions in my years of walking with the Lord. It answered so much for me, for my mentality. Because I'd met people that had cried and tears flowed down their eyes, telling of their love for God, yet they never made it with God. They could never be faithful to God. They could never walk a straight line with God. And I says, how can they say they love God and look at the disaster of their existence? Well, it's not a matter of loving God. It's, when it comes to us, it's a matter of having faith in God. And it's faith that creates the miracles. It's, you may like me, and for the sake of me, for the sake of Amy, there may be a lot of nice things you do for Crossroads because you like Pastor Amy. But you know... You'll never really do anything for Crossroads until you do it for your love of God, but not your love, your faith in him. Do you hear me? Your faith in God. Now I can understand. Now I can understand how some people do fall in love with religious fixtures. We have a key word in Spanish, and it's so, it's so keen to us. I will try my best to translate it. The word is beata. Beatos. Okay. Now that is a word which means ultra-religious. 
super religious, but to the religious artifacts. Okay? It's these people that love the church, the structure of the church. And if it's a beautiful structure, like a gorgeous cathedral, they love it more. They love the priest in the cathedral. They love the nuns in the cathedral. All the teachers, all the, all the ministers, whatever you want to call them. They love everything that has to do with it. There are flowers on Sunday. Ah! Una beata trae las flores. Okay? The ultra spiritual. Are you following me? Now, this, there's nothing wrong with this. But when it becomes your religion, when it becomes uh, that which attaches you to God, are you following me, folks? You say, Sister Amy, you just learned that Thursday? You are slightly retarded. Yeah, I did. I just found it out. Because when I, when somebody ever, whenever somebody said to me that they love God, I kind of put the whole pot together. Do you understand what I mean? I made it like stew. You know, I threw in the carrots, I threw in the meat, I threw in the ingredients. I made one big stew. And they said they love God. Well, that means they had faith in God. That means they were trusting God. That means they were walking with God. That means they were holy as unto the Lord. That meant all of that. And all of a sudden, I find out now. And the beautiful truth came out in Jesus dealing with the prostitute that went to Simeon's house for lunch. It was at luncheon engagement where Jesus was seated. And then the woman came in, and, and you know everything she did. Uh, she, she cried on his feet, and she washed them with his, her tears, uh, and then dried them with her hair, and then anointed him with a costly oil. And while all of this is going on, the woman is there only because her life was so shattered, her life was so destroyed, and she had met Jesus, and she had believed in Jesus. Not love him. I know it goes together. But she had believed in him. Do you understand? The exercising of faith. She had believed in him. And naturally you know the problem the Simeon had. He simply said, if he were a prophet, he'd know she's a prostitute. And if he was a prophet and knew she was a prostitute, he wouldn't let her touch him. Now, because he hasn't mentioned what she is, and because he hasn't stopped her from doing what she's doing, then he is not a prophet. Can you, can you see that thinking? There it goes. And I love the scripture that says, and Jesus knew what their thoughts were. Jesus knew what their thoughts were, and he didn't even bother. It's so beautiful. He didn't even bother with them. Let me tell you something. They weren't interested in the woman. She could die in her prostitution. They didn't care. What they were trying to do is get something on Jesus. Now, this is a beautiful thing about Jesus. Jesus didn't care about Simeon. He was eating his food and sitting in his house, but he didn't care about him. I mean, basically and honestly, what he cared about was a woman that had deposited her total faith in him. And it's at the end of that conversation that he looks at the woman and he says, Woman! Thy faith has made thee whole. 
Oh, I know. You say later on, there's an explanation that Jesus says, to whom much loveth, uh, to whom much is forgiven, much loveth. Yes. We're talking about the degrees of gratitude in that case. But what we're talking about basically is faith in God. And I bring this out in my teaching today in the kingdom of God simply because to many people, the kingdom is visible. That's why Jesus says the kingdom of God does not come visibly. It does not come visibly. You can't pinpoint it. That's why when people say we are the kingdom, for many years the Jehovah Witnesses stated they were the kingdom. And it's interesting because when they started, they said they would get to be 144,000. And that was the, the sacred given number. That was the group that would be lifted. That was the group that would make it. Well, they passed that number over 25 years ago. Okay. They fill the Yankee Stadium up five times over. Yes, they do. So then what is it? Did they goof? Well, yes, they did. Yeah. It's one big goof. And I'm not, and I'm not, I'm, I'm just telling you truth because anybody who tells me that Jesus is not Jesus and that his sacrifice is not where I'm saved and that his, that he did not and is not Messiah, I really, really, folks, I need a little bit of grace to deal with that, okay? It's, uh, and, then, and then I'm going to, let me give you a little advice with them too. Many new Christians seem to want to be very, giving and want to talk with them and want to share with them. Let me tell you something. They are prepared in scripture for the fight. We are prepared in scripture for faith. And fighting and faith are two different things. So don't think you can compare your scriptural knowledge with their scriptural knowledge and because they've pasted it together, pulling from here and pulling from there and pulling from here and pulling from there, and they've got a whole, what shall we say, they've pulled out everything they need and want just to put together their little religious game. That's not us. And that's why I tell you, when it comes, you be very kind and courteous just as they are. Thank you so much. I don't want to buy anything. I don't want to hear anything. And that's it. And just walk away. Be kind. Be courteous. And I'm telling you why. You're not prepared for the fight. You're prepared for faith. And should God ever touch you, because, hey, there are special times. Just share with them a testimony real quick. How Jesus saved you, how his blood washes you whiter than snow, how you pray to him every day, because they don't pray. You pray to him every day, and you love him, and they'll look at you and say, ah. And then you walk away. Because there isn't anything greater than a true testimony, not a fighting testimony, not an ugly testimony, not a testimony that comes from an ugly spirit, because we're not out to condemn or kill anybody. We're out to thank God for what we've received in Jesus Christ. So the kingdom of God is not anything visible. Now, Jesus says the kingdom of God is within us, within us. Now, some people in, in the translation and in some of the uh, accounts uh, translate this scripture to say with us in terms that Jesus was with them at that time. But I've got something to say to you. There is a double reference to that. Jesus, the kingdom of God, is within us in here. And who is the one that goes in? In our experience, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. You accept Jesus and Jesus comes into your heart. He becomes a part of your life. In other words, Jesus is living in the heart and life of every believer who accepts him. And thank God for that.
That's why, that's why we've got to be still. There is an inner voice in you. There is a still uh, move of God in your life and in your being. Uh, it is right there. I give you the guarantee it's there. The only thing is, if you've accepted Christ, that's the way it goes. Now, Jesus says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, we are talking about, in other words, you're not going to see it. Now, let, let's go into the translation. Born of the Spirit. The sight is experimental. In other words, what to see something is a physical experience. And in Acts 14, 22, it says, we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Tribulation becomes God's process for his kingdom. The entrance of the kingdom is the new birth. And with the new birth, we have a savior that comes to live within us. That's the entrance of the kingdom. It is so simple. It is so sweet. It is so beautiful. You don't buy it. You don't steal it. You don't negotiate it. You don't manipulate it. You don't uh, uh, see it. No, 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 no. It's yours uh, for the receiving. And upon a simple truth of reception, Jesus comes into your life. And I thank God for that. Jesus is the overwhelming power within us. And that's why it's our faith in God. It's not how much we love the artifacts of God. It's not how much we love the people of God. It's not how much we love the circumstances and the gatherings and the good times we have together. That is all beautiful. It's called fellowship and it's part of being a, the part of a, a part of a body. But the most beautiful thing in our lives is that deep within our hearts, we sold out to a man called Jesus. He is the son of God and he now sitteth on the right hand side of God the Father from which he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. And we're waiting that day. But as we wait, we walk with him. And as we wait, we talk with him. And as we walk and talk with him, he is being molded. Our nature is being molded after his nature and every day uh, we're just a little bit a little bit like him and I love that and when I look in my Bible you got nothing to be afraid of Jesus was on target Jesus was right Jesus was beautiful Jesus knew how to handle people Jesus knew how to enjoy life uh, uh, Jesus knew what a good meal was all about and Jesus knew what a good walk was all about Jesus knew what it was to have friends and Jesus knew what it was to have an inner circle of friends uh, Jesus knew how it was to deal with the problems of earth and the problems of life in other words when you have Jesus within you you then have a capability of living that you never had before You've got a human explosion within you uh, that can literally take off. Uh, and when you most need that Jesus in you, that faith to rise, uh, it does. It does. It does. But you've got to be true to it, folks. You can't sell it out. You can't be halfway. You can't have your moods about it. And this is important. This, now, this is what has to do with holiness. And sometimes people say, and people come to me and say, oh, I love your church because you, you, you're so liberal. No, I am not liberal. I am not liberal. I just don't believe in the, 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 the way of holiness that man has picked apart. 
I don't believe the way of holiness that uh, mainly affects women to start with and is just an exterior holiness. I don't believe in it. I really don't. I don't think you're holy because of the length of your hair. I don't think you're holy because you have no makeup on. I don't think you're holy because you don't wear earrings. I don't think you're holy because you dress uh, uh, like uh, two centuries ago. I don't, I, that to me is not holiness. You know what holiness is? That through your life, God smiles. That through your touch, uh, somebody is being warmed by the, by the light of the Lord. That because you are who you are, God is using your life uh, to meet out to many other people. And you see, that is something you can't fake. Oh, you can fake kindness, and you can fake lovingly, and you can fake sexiness, and you can fake it all. But when it comes to a genuine touch from God, when it comes from, when it comes from a, a genuine move of the Spirit of God in your life uh, to other people, you can't fake that. I'm sorry. And if anybody's got discernment, forget it. People know where you're coming from. They know where you're coming from. Listen, you can tell a wicked smile from a holy smile. Have you ever had someone smile at you and they ain't smiling? They've got, a, uh, they've got an invitation and a ticket and uh, lots of other things are hanging out of that smile. But when somebody gives you a genuine smile, how beautiful it is, and you're not afraid to return it. It's so nice to say to somebody, good day, how are you? Have a good day. And not feel bad about it. I don't even mind going into an elevator and saying good morning and no one answers back. And I say, they're so uptight that I'm sorry for them. I feel good. I feel good and I feel like going, turning around and saying, what's the matter with you, huh? <laughs> bad day, bad night, <laughs> hard times. <laughs> I still say good morning, good morning. The kingdom of God is within us. Its entrance is through the new birth. Its process is through trials and tribulations. And that's where many people clear out. The sower that sows the seed, you know, it's not deep enough. Too many rocks, gets a little hot. They don't, it doesn't take root. That's where people clear out and say, oh no, no, wait a minute. Oh no, oh no. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Look, look, I'll go. I'll, I, I'll even take a box of envelopes. You got a box for me? I'll take a box of envelopes. But I can't really live that way. Folks, there isn't any other way. The other way is just a joke. Well, we're a joke to ourselves and to everybody around us. So it's, it's, not, it's not that I'm liberal. It's that I'm letting Christian living be up to you. Because I can't force it. Imagine if we came through in different stages and you wore buttons stage one, sisters in stage one, brothers in stage four. The other brother, he's been in stage two for 10 years. I mean, we're really, we're really having trouble with him, you know. But it's not. It's you and the Lord moving it up, moving it up and going on to God. And this is what we trust. Now the entrance to process and what is the exclusion? 1 Corinthians 15, 50, folks, you'll find the exclusion of the kingdom of God. Now, it's the first time I'm looking at the kingdom in this way. 1 Corinthians 15, and in that 1 Corinthians 15, you will find in the 50th verse something very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 50. And now I say this. Now this I say, brethren, 
that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. All right, let me give it to you in the living Bible. I tell you this, my brothers, an earthly body made of flesh and blood cannot get into God's kingdom. These perishable bodies of ours are not the right kind to live forever. Uh, anybody have a niv? Give it to me in the niv, please. Okay, I gave you the entrance to the kingdom, except ye be born again. The process through great tribulation, okay? For it becomes God's, that's God's process for, for us. Now the exclusion, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now Jesus explains that in John 18, 36. In John 18, 36, Jesus explains what he means uh, by the kingdom of God. Let me finish in, in 1 Corinthians. Uh, what does this say to us right now? Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We are talking about flesh and blood, the natural. We're talking about the natural. Meaning this, that if someone is not born again, if someone does not accept Christ, if someone does not move into the spiritual realm with God through his son Jesus, they'll never see the kingdom of God. And you say, Sister Amy, but, but other people have other religions. Other people have other... I will not enter into that terrain at this given time. I will tell you the following. Any sincere heart, and I mean sincere, and with that sincerity, there is a lack of corruption, okay? because I'm not talking about somebody wicked doing as they please, then all of a sudden we declare them sincere because maybe somewhere along the road they said, oh, I love God or blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. We are talking about people that really are in search of God and have found him because let me, let me, let me give you the bottom line. Whoever searches God will find him. Call upon me and you will, you, I'll answer. In other words, any sincere search for God is going to end up in God. I think one of the greatest things I ever read in a book that I don't know if it's still being published, uh, Science and the Bible. And in that book it says, true science always begins and ends with God. Okay? He says, many of our scientists do not begin that way. But they, if they're into true science, they end with God. And they realize then that it is a beginning and an end. Now listen to what the kingdom of God. And let's go what Jesus says now in, in, uh, in John 18, 36. What is it? Would you read it out loud, Naomi, please? That saves me the time of looking. Yes, 36. Jesus said, go ahead. All right, there are the two things. My kingdom is not of this world, and my kingdom is from another place. In other words, when we're talking about the kingdom of God, don't ever expect that there's going to be a church on the face of the earth that establishes that they are the kingdom. He says, it's not from the earth. It's not from the earth. Okay, that's why there's a, there's a saying which is so true. The church of God is invisible. That's one of the truest sayings in the world. It's invisible because, hey, the Catholics would like to say that they've got the, the premium and the market. 
on numbers and the Protestants would like to say, no, 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 we hold the premium and the market on biblical truth and analysis and exegesis and all of that. And they say, no, we're, we're there. And then the other groups come up and say, we're here and we're there. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, I'm not losing because I don't have an army. I'm not losing in your eyes because I don't have a following. I'm not losing because there's no one to fight for me or care for me. I'm not losing. First of all, I'm giving my life up. And he says to Pilate, and you're not taking it, I'm giving it. And after I've given it, I'll then pick it up again. Do you hear me? This is what God is saying. And he's saying it loud and clear. Hallelujah. My kingdom is not of this world. And that's why we've got to be other world conscious. And you know, that's what makes a lot of things easy. That's what makes a lot of things easy. It makes waiting for a new day easy. Because you know, God is in that new day. It, it makes being good stewards a, a happy experience because God is in our giving. God is in our giving and he will bless us. And he's told us if we give, he will bless us even greater. So God is in all of this. But my kingdom is not of this world. We can't set it up. We can't put a throne. We can't say this is it and it's over. I love that. My kingdom is from another place. And that's the place where we're going. Anybody going with me? Hallelujah. Who's going to hold us back? No one's going to hold us back. The kingdom of God, these are the scriptures that go on, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. That's when the Jews started to give the apostle Paul such a hard time. And when they said he didn't eat kosher food and he didn't keep the kosher diet. And he went into all of these things. Uh, and that's where the apostle Paul says, hey, wait a minute. The kingdom of God isn't eating or drinking. Kingdom of God is not what you eat or what you drink. In other words, it has nothing to do with your peculiarities of diet. And then he goes on and he says, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Don't you love that? We're going to get into that next week. We're going to talk about the peace of God in the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about the joy of God in the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about the great reality that we are in the kingdom. We are part of that kingdom. We've already entered in. We don't have to wait. If they blow a horn in Israel and say, come all you come because I'm here, we don't have to move. I love one of the gospels where he tells them, if anybody's going to know, you're going to know before anybody else. Hallelujah. And if we're ready for the rapture, get ready, folks. That's how we're going to know. Because when the trumpet sounds, we're leaving. People say, oh, you, you believe in that crazy doctrine, Sister Amy? You better believe I believe in it. I can't wait. That's why I live like he were coming tonight, and I work like it yet were a thousand years for him to come. That's my theory. That's my philosophy of life. I want to live like he's coming tonight. I can't take any chances. Can't take any detours. Can't go into any curves. I can't. I can't. Can't take a day off. I don't know if that's going to be the day. I've got to be very careful. And you say, oh, but what a, what a way to live. I mean, really? So frightened is your God? So forget my God. I have no problems with my God. I've got problems with me. Like everybody says, you think God's so severe? I have no problems with God. I have problems with my weakness. I have problems with my flesh. 
I have problems with my infidelity. I have problems with me wanting to scratch it off for a day or two and think I'm going to pick up ground later on. Hey, God doesn't have basketball players. You can't, what do you call that? You can't dribble down the court. You got to walk in the light of the sun.